Welcome to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm the owner of Rosebud Wellness, which is a women's holistic health practice in Southern California. In this podcast, I will be sharing some of the time about the women's holistic health practices that I offer and some tips and tricks to optimize your fertility for consciously conceiving your baby. And other times I will be interviewing women in the fertility space. Thanks so much for being here. Enjoy. If you have been considering learning the fertility awareness method, but you're sort of on the fence about whether or not you have enough time or money to fully commit to learning the method once and for all, then I have just the offering for you. So I've recently released my holistic fertility awareness method self-study course. And in this course, there are five different modules and you can work through them at your own pace. And it is also extremely affordable. It's only $197, or you can also use the payment plan option for $77 in three months. So you pay $77 each month for three months. And then I also have a risk-free guarantee. So if you go through all of the material in the course, you implement all of the suggestions, all of the resources that I provide you with, and you're still not satisfied with your results, then you will get all of your money back, no questions asked. So there's really nothing to lose, and there is a link to register for the course in the show notes. But if you can't find it for some reason, definitely reach out to me. Also reach out to me if you have some other questions, if you want to know a little bit more about it, um, at holly at rosebudwellness.com, or you can find me on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness. And so just to share a little bit about what is in the course, We go through the cascade of hormones and how the menstrual cycle works. So I break down all the different phases and exactly what's happening with your hormones in each of those phases. And then we get into the fertility awareness method. So what it is, the specific style that I have been trained in and teach. So then I share with you how to track and chart your basal body temperature, cervical mucus, cervical position. I go through the app that I recommend using every single detail about what you are recording in your app. There is a pretty extensive cervical mucus uh, charting key, for lack of a better word, where there are lots of different types of cervical mucus, and you will no longer be confused about how exactly to document what you are seeing, because there is a separate module for that. Um, And then we will also be getting into the applications of the fertility awareness method. And the bulk of it really is on conception. So there are a lot of different modules about egg quality, sperm quality, optimal nutrition for cycles, and then also a separate one for fertility in particular, timing sex, making sure that your cycle meets all the optimal parameters so that you are optimizing your chances of conception. And then there is a birth control module, which is really important, especially for people that are coming off of hormonal birth control. Now that I mentioned that, there is a module about coming off of hormonal birth control as well. So ways to support your body, how to do it sort of slowly and effectively. And then also you can start applying fertility awareness for pregnancy prevention if you're not quite ready to get pregnant just yet, but you want to transition off of birth control first and then take a little bit of time 
to recuperate, rejuvenate your body before you start actively trying to conceive, which is what I recommend for pretty much all of the people that I work with. And so that is what is included in the course. And there is also a bonus call with me. So you get a one-on-one call with me. So you can use that at any time. You could use it at the beginning when you first register, if you just kind of want to pick my brain about a few things, or you can potentially use it, you know, after you've gone through a few things and you have some questions or even at the end. So once you have accumulated some charts, if you want me to do some chart reviews, and then you can always add on additional sessions if you're wanting some more one-on-one support as well. So check out the link to register in the show notes of this episode. Welcome back everyone to the Womb Wisdom Podcast. I am here today with Jackie Berg, and I just uh, recently met her. I'm meeting her uh, over the computer this morning and uh, just started following her work recently. Uh, we live very close by, which is always really fun. Um, so she has three companies. Uh, one is Exo Jackie, uh, Desk Yogi, and then she's also the owner of a yoga studio in town called Move Sanctuary. And I will let her share more uh, uh, specifically about each of those things. Um, but first, we're going to talk about her personal story a little bit more. So first of all, welcome to you, Jackie. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here. It's always fun to, you never know what you're going to say. So it's fun to be here and meet you and, and have a really nice conversation awesome. about important stuff. Absolutely. So I'd love for you to share anything that you can think of about menstruation. It can be from like the early years of menstruation or anything that stands out to you about conversations or experiences that you had, if you had any symptoms, anything you want to share about. Well, I just turned 55. So I started, I think at least my mom and my mom was an older mom. So she was in her, at that time, being in your late thirties to have your first child was really rare, not so much now. And so that generation didn't really talk about, you know, we've all seen the sitcoms where the the daughter gets the period. Nobody, you know, what? Mm -hmm. Like it was kind of, you know, not talked about very much in my family. And then also it was interesting because my menstruation was delayed because I was an athlete as a child. And, uh, you know, that happens when you're an athlete, your menstruation was delayed. So I was a little late, I think, beyond what would be my genetic time to have my first menstrual cycle. I was almost 15. And so, you know, I felt like I was kind of behind and I didn't really have many issues early on with my menstruation. It was more impactful in my early 20s when my symptoms became I would say almost unmanageable or uncomfortable like bloating cramps and then you know the age-old story of like why am I in such a bad mood and then you get your period and you're like that's why and (laughs) then that happens every month for 30 years you know I was kind of that model of, of menstruation and uh you know, I was able to, through diet and exercise, sort of relieve the symptoms of the physical symptoms, the bloating and the, the you know, the free 
menstrual weight gain and the cramps really subsided with proper diet and exercise, which just means no sugar, you know, whole foods, eating on a regular schedule, no drinking, you know, no drugs, no smoking. <laughs> you know, it's very clean and that really helped me. And and from the women I've spoken to, that's a game changer in many ways. Mm-hmm. And then um I went through a period of migraines around my period, which I think is also another common symptom. And I know it is, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about menopause later. And I know that comes back at that time. So I think the diet also cleaned up the migraines. And I also was fortunate enough to be open to and meet a lot of incredible body workers that, you know, I think cranial sacral and Reiki and body work really helps move stuck energy. I think a lot for me, my experience with uncomfortable menstrual cycles was a lot of stuck energy, mm-hmm. emotional, mental, soul, <laughs> physical. So I was lucky enough to meet beautiful healers that really helped. And that was my, uh, menstrual journey up until the time I got pregnant with my daughter, Ava, I was 35. And the pregnancy was amazing. I felt solely at home in my body. She required me to suddenly start eating chicken. I'd been a lifelong vegetarian and listening to electronic music. <laughs> that, was, that was what she required. And uh, that's so interesting. I've never heard anybody say something like that, like a yeah, that's really just really fascinating what they, them being inside of your body impacts. Yeah. 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 And Nikolai required um, my son, and I had my son three and a half years later, and he required lots of pasta and classic rock. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Do they like those things now? Um, they're both musicians. Well, so uh, my daughter actually does do a lot of like electronic work with her music. Uh, my son does seem to sing more of a rock bass. So I don't know, maybe it's their soul's signature. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and so you, um, for your first pregnancy, you said it was a really lovely pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about I mean, I know a little bit more because you just mentioned it in our pre-chat, mm-hmm. but can you talk to us about the labor and kind of what your birth mm-hmm. plan was at that time? I was in um, LA. I was a yoga teacher and a trainer at the time. And uh, it was 2003 and um, I didn't have any money. So uh, I found uh, doulas that were actually on Medicaid that worked in the downtown LA hospital. So they did their birth in the hospital, like with the tub and everything. And uh, it was, you know, they were amazing. And the night I went into labor, their pager didn't work. And so I went to the hospital and uh, the doula um, and the birth people were late. And the main nurses at the hospital were, and I love nurses, they're amazing angels on our planet. So. Um, when I say that the nurse I interacted with um, was unkind, mm-hmm. I'm not meaning this for all nurses, but in that moment, I was already pretty far along in the in the labor story because mm-hmm. of traffic in LA. I've waited at home as long as I could, like trying to get in touch with the doula, and that already caused a level of anxiety. And then by the time I got to the hospital, um, I was having back labor. It was very painful. And so my birth plan was already like out the window. <laughs> 
right? My written birth plan was just like, you might as well tear it up and throw, throw it away. Mm -hmm. And so the nurse there wanted me to wear the monitor and lay down, but for the pain, that was really painful. And I wanted to sit up. And she, she said to me, and this, I'm not exaggerating, she said, if you don't lay down, your baby could die. And um, I never progressed in labor for 36 hours from that moment. Mm -hmm. Even though the doula showed up, the birthing tub, like we got back on the plan, you know, we were, we were back on the birth plan. You know, the doulas came, my partner was amazing. My mom was there, you know, it was a beautiful room with music and the tub. I never progressed past that point. And I don't know if there was anything that would have changed that in that moment. And of course you can't change what's happening in the moments. And so I ended up having an emergency C-section after a long labor and, um, and yeah, had that experience and she was beautiful and she was fine. And the nurses in the hospital were amazing. And I had never babysat as a child and I didn't know how to change a diaper. I was <laughs> the nurses. I was like, you can leave. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, trust what me. What do I do? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And they showed me how to change it, you know, and they like, I don't have to sign anything. I can just go home. <laughs> yeah, if you have a car seat in your car, you can go home. You know, it's the I car know. seat and the social security number. Like, what about, what about like the heart and the, the soul? <laughs> I know it's so... Yeah. The, I, I, yeah, I don't know. So how old were you were 30? 35. 35. Okay. I mean, I'm just curious, had you, were you considering any, or I don't know what it was like at that time, um, but were you ever considering, you know, uh, like at home or birth center, or you're saying this was a birth center type thing? Well, I couldn't afford a birth center. Because mm -hmm. you have to so right yeah and so I found a program where it was covered by Medicaid but it was almost like a birth center in the hospital mm -hmm. I mean these were this was their first ever c-section these mm -hmm. women had been doing this for 20 years it was Gurmukh's doula of, mm -hmm. you know for the Kundalini yoga in LA mm -hmm. so I mean they were incredibly um, her name is escaping me I know her name um yeah you know who I'm talking about she was my birth doula Okay. I can't remember her name right now. I can't but, either, but I know it's like on the tip of my tongue. It'll come to yeah, me. Midwife, midwife. And yeah, 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 yeah. not the right word, midwife. And she was incredible. And it was an amazing experience. And um, uh, is there a noise in the background? Are you good? There's a noise outside my door. No, okay, you can't hear. Okay. All good. So I, uh, it just is what it is. It mm -hmm. was what it was. It was Ava's birth story. It was my birth story. I came home with her and we just communed together. And um, yeah, the nursing was great. And we just bonded and she was a beautiful, easy soul. So she gave me that gift yeah. of letting me learn how to mother. Yeah, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. And uh, my partner was went right back to work. Mm. And so it was just me and he was on worked in movies. So, you know, that day is like 22 hours. <laughs> yeah. Did you have family around or were you mostly no by family? Yourself? Yeah. Yeah. No family. 
alone a lot. Um, alone a lot and my puppy dog so me and and uh ava and lollipop was my puppy and len her dad was incredible when he was there he was amazing mm -hmm. um so yeah it was like it was what it was mm -hmm. and you just make it work and you make it happen totally because you don't really have a choice <laughs> yeah totally um so then three and a half years later were you Actually, yeah, we didn't really talk about the conception of her. Mm -hmm. I mean, was it just kind of like oh, but conceived, no problem, was trying to conceive, no problem. I was not trying to conceive. Okay. I, she wanted to come in. I didn't, I kind of had a feeling that there was a little soul hanging out mm -hmm. in my environment. Um, and Len and I had been friends for years and we, uh, just decided to hook up really and we're still friends and uh um but my son is a different father okay so we were together for a short time we moved to Ojai together when my daughter was three months old and did our best I think because to people trying to see if we could make it work and mm -hmm. we didn't but we we really both committed to making it be there for Ava mm, I love that so I think she would say that too, mm -hmm. that she felt like, I don't even think she knew the word divorce until a kid in her class teased her in second grade. That breaks my heart. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think that like she you guys weren't divorced because you were, or did we you... actually did get married did when get she married. was okay. a year old because we were like, let's, you know, cause I, I was important to me to, at that time, you know, cause it, it looked like it was going to happen, you know, and then as life happens, it didn't work out. I understand this very well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, we go, we go through this stuff and it's, 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 a, I think it's really important not to, if you have shame about it to really talk about it because mm -hmm. that kind of takes that little seed of shame and kind of like, boop, and then another one comes up boop. when you voice it out loud, it's keeping it a secret that creates more shame. Absolutely. And just gets, it just get like, you just pound it down, pound it down. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I can't breathe. Especially like once you start receiving body work or doing, you know, things like yoga, probably other techniques too, but like yoga is one of the things that I really connect mm -hmm. with as well. And I'm an acupuncturist. And so I, as you were saying that it's like, yeah, when you don't feel like you're able to speak or you feel like you're trying to hold on to this like perception of the way that things are supposed to be, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, you can't breathe. It's just mm -hmm. completely stuck energy for lack of a better mm -hmm. word, which makes it sound really simple. And moving it is really hard um, sometimes. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and kids, you know, you... I, you just saying that about like somebody, you know, teasing or whatever and kids tease and they don't know what mm -hmm. they're saying and, and whatever, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's getting me yeah. a little hooked up, you know, like just yeah. about that. I mean, like, I, I guess, I don't know, is what was her experience of that? She was like, whatever, my parents are both awesome and they love me. Uh, I was actually really upset. Mm. Um, I was a child of divorce and in 1972 through 70, you know, that was very rare. All my friends had mom and dad at home and I didn't have dad at home. Mm -hmm. And the custody agreements at that time were not 50-50. They were like 90-10. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I saw my dad every other Sunday for like a McDonald's cheeseburger and, and to go see Greece for the 25th time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of sadness there. And I think that that experience led me to really prioritize Ava's wellness over my own disappointment or anger, any of those emotions. We actually went and saw a mediator that specializes in children. We didn't talk about us. We talked about her. Mm -hmm. And so the focus was on how do we love and cherish this little beautiful human, even though we're not in the, as in the, that form of relationship anymore. Mm -hmm. And that was a gift too. You know, that was a gift that this beautiful woman came in. And anytime we got into about us, she was like, no, this is about Ava. And then it's easy because then not easy. But then all your choices become about what's best for Ava. And you know what? We did a great job. She's 20 years old now. And I think that I can count on both hands the amount of times we had a conflict in 18 years, 17 years. That's awesome. Because it was always Ava first, but also Len and I had a deep, you know, friendship before. So yeah, we weren't yeah, strangers. Yeah, strong foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and you know, uh, I have a a teacher that you know always says acceptance doesn't mean agreement. Yeah, and I think I try in my current, you know me today I really try and remember that like I can accept what's happening right now even though I don't agree with it Mm -hmm. you know and that's a tool that I use all the time and it is what it is I mean it just in in mothering in general you know I mean even (laughs) people stay together um yeah they get divorced the day the kid go to college like what's that they get divorced the day the kids go to college exactly or like even if they are happily together i'm sure they don't yeah. agree on every single thing and no definitely no. things that you do just have to i mean i guess that's true of like all things in life right yeah. i mean yeah mothering especially i think that i'm i'm like getting like teary-eyed but <laughs> i feel like especially or maybe it it continues. I don't know, but my daughter's three, mm-hmm. and I I do feel like that when they're young, especially when they're really young and so vulnerable, you can kind of feel, yeah, just like really outraged about everything. Like I don't agree mm-hmm. with that. I don't, you mm-hmm. know, like just trying to micromanage sort of everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and then not being with the other parent adds like mm-hmm. an extra an additional layer that you know mm-hmm. other people maybe just navigate in a different way mm-hmm. so I appreciate you going off on that little bit of a tangent yeah we had yeah, no idea we were gonna go there but um, well then it's you know not planned so it's more authentic I love it <laughs> yeah, that's exactly this is totally the jam of this podcast so yeah. Um, but I would love for you to share about the conception of your son and just mm-hmm. kind of what that looked like for you, um, if if that was planned or not, or not planned. Um, I met his dad at a yoga studio. In fact, uh, Lulu Bonda's in Ohio, which was the yoga studio that I own now. 
Oh, and it's first iteration. It's been two other yoga studios. I'm the third person to hold the space as a yoga space in town, mm -hmm. which is very important to me uh, to not have it become like a condo. So totally. I rented it during the pandemic and just held the space empty mm -hmm. for 18 months. But mm -hmm. that's another story. My son is uh, incredible. He's 16. Um, his birth was very traumatic, uh, mm -hmm. but really interesting. He was um, uh, a planned C-section because in Ventura County in 2006, they did not do VBACs. Mm -hmm. And I was in a different financial position, so money wasn't the reason. Uh, my partner did not feel like doing a home birth was safe for him. And I had to, you know, part of being in partnership is is being uh, compromised is a big word. So I was able to convince the powers that be in the hospital to allow my doula, who's a local doula here in Ojai, um, be in the surgery with me, which is the first time that ever happened in Ventura County. Wow. And maybe now happens frequently, right? Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Awesome. Yeah. And also not have my hands tied down was another one. Because they tie your hands down. Yeah, you're yeah. at a little narrow table and they tie your hands down. Why? So you can't reach and grab your intestines and baby. But why because do you want to, why would people want to grab their intestines? It's just a fear. I'm sure it maybe happened one time. My God, um, that's it's so like all times, you know? And so I was able to negotiate that. And so I was really an advocate. Like I'm, I was like a mama bear your mom, a tiger, like a lioness out there totally. in this, in this world. And so, um, uh, Nikolai had a breathing and heart issue and had to be rushed to the NICU. Mm -hmm. Thank God that I had my doula there because I had, if otherwise I'd have been by myself because it takes a long time to sew back up, you know, a C-section is a pretty violent surgery. Mm-hmm. Right. If nobody knows, they take your organs out, they put them to the side, they take the baby out, they take the baby, and then they like put everything back. My so yeah, my friend, that. I did not know this. I work in women's health. I've given birth myself. And it wasn't until my friend Amanda, who was on the podcast, so I feel okay like sharing this, shared that on the podcast. And I was like, they take out all of your, and people are just like, oh, I just had a C-section. It's like like that, or like, I'm just going to get a C-section. Like that's the easy, Yeah, it's just, it's nuts. Not for yeah. like the, the individual woman, of course, like do whatever works for you, but just. Yeah. My, my doctor was very cutting edge. What's that? He was, my doctor was very cutting edge. Yeah. He was very in favor of VBACs, but his insurance had gone up like through the roof. Hmm. And he said, well, you could have the baby um, naturally if you labor in the parking lot and then get wheeled into the emergency room and sign your rights away. Like if anything happens. So yeah, I just chose to have the C-section. And, um, and so he was in the NICU and thank God for this doctor. Thank God, because, you know, you're numb from here down. And so I wanted to get into that NICU and start doing Reiki on Nikolai. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, uh, we kind of faked it. And I had somebody put me in a wheelchair, like just lift me because they were like, you can't go in the NICU because you're, you know, you're recovering from your C-section. Somebody like lift me into the wheelchair and like push me in. 
like three hours after my C-section. So at three o'clock I was in there like doing the thing. Um, it's the NICU nurses are angels from above, but they're still dealing with um, like, why do they have to put that sticky tape on a brand new baby's arm? It just rips the skin off. Like that was just like the most what's, heartbreaking. What's like the, the way they, to hold the tubes in for all the stuff oh. they need to do to keep the baby alive, which is really important. <laughs> but I'm like, why can't they get friendly tape? These are the things you think about when you're in the hospital. And then they also thought- that people just like, either don't have don't have time probably to like contemplate like what if I were to do it a different way what if I got less sticky tape you know like yeah just what the hospital buys or whatever but it's you know not until somebody says something or yeah 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 I should take up that the sticky tape should be my next project it's actually a really good idea yeah. Yeah. And it's stuff that like, I mean, I didn't, I, you're the first person that ever told me that. Of course it makes sense that they have yeah, to it rips their skin off. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, they also didn't want me to nurse because of whatever. And I was like, no, bring the double pump in here. I'm going to nurse this whole NICU is going to be drinking this milk. Like, let's make it happen. And there's this hilarious picture of me with like both pumps on and like my friends came in and braided my hair I had really long hair and it was like I was just like there was bottles everywhere it was just like the milk storm Love it. um and he was very well cared for in the NICU and we got to be in there a lot my daughter came and um and then we went home what was and his issue you said he had a breathing his heart was beating double speed okay and so in order to keep up with that he was also breathing fast and you know when you're just that young it just I think he just was born too soon that's and that's what happens with a scheduled with a scheduled c-section how many were you 40 maybe but you don't know but you don't know that because they're just guesstimating I mean he was eight almost eight pounds but um but they're guesstimating based on your last period or yeah, based on the last period and and ultrasounds and all the other things, but still in a C-section, you're still not in labor. Right. He wasn't, he didn't indicate to you that he was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, and now I, I and I think it depends on the hospital. I'm not an mm-hmm. expert on this, but they typically scheduled C-sections, they try to do before you get to full term yeah. of 40 weeks. That's and what yeah, I mean. A, a lot of babies that want to go past that for sure. So I mean, well, they- lungs aren't lungs aren't developed yet. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing. So that's why I believe personally, I don't have any um, like a letter from the doctor, but um, I really think that um, uh, he wasn't ready. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, and the first four years of life were constantly sick anytime he got it like anytime he went he had pneumonia it was like two days later he'd have pneumonia but we got through that uh uh, you know we did some crazy stuff we went to this woman she was incredible i know this is probably off topic but it's just coming up for me to share she would um have us sit across the room i would hold nikolai in my lap and she would hand us these little vials of different color liquid, different, I mean, different essences in, in this water. And mm-hmm. I would hold it and she would play tuning forks ar- across the room. Sounds and, awesome. 
Meanwhile, the medical community wanted him to be on steroids mm. and the nebulizer. And I was like, absolutely not. And he's been healthy as a horse for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So we got through that and really strengthened him. And yeah, nursing was easy and beautiful. I nursed both kids three years. Mm-hmm. The only thing that suffered was my teeth. <laughs> In what way? Uh, just when you nurse and, you know, I just might, I got a lot of cavities, I think, because of nutrition issues with nursing so much. Interesting. My uh, daughter is three and I'm still nursing her as well mm-hmm. and have been to the dentist recently and have, have been having my own struggles. So I just thought yeah. that was an interesting connection. Yeah, it totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I just, really, yeah. Well, Please. I yeah, it's it's just fascinating to me, like how I know personally, I did not recognize the massive demand on a woman's body to get mm-hmm. pregnant, be mm-hmm. pregnant for that long, birth the baby, heal mm-hmm. from that, heal mm-hmm. the, the wound of like just where the mm-hmm. placenta is and then mm-hmm. your vagina and, mm-hmm. or like if you have a C-section, that's a whole other mm-hmm. thing. And then also the energy expenditure of breastfeeding, especially mm-hmm. if you do it long-term, mm-hmm. I mean, it's massive and our culture is not so supportive of women getting, having the time and space to get the nourishment and the rest and rejuvenation Mm -hmm. that they actually need to build themselves up. So then, yeah, Mm -hmm. we're having issues down the line. Yeah. I don't understand people used to have like 15 kids. (laughs) It's just wild. Oh yeah. It's I, yeah. I mean, I would have, I think, uh, I would have been, I would have loved to have more kids. Me too. Yeah. Like just like all the kids, yeah. but it's just, yeah. it's such a, I mean, it it's well, way more intense than I personally anticipated. Well, in the fifties and sixties, um, and depending on your background and your belief system and, you know, women went back to work, mm-hmm. women started working, not back to work. Women began working mm-hmm. and that really shifted yeah because you weren't wasn't your you your it job was just different it was a different time it was mm-hmm. a different different time um most of the women that i know that are peers and friends that have three plus kids didn't work for a long period of time yeah 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 you really need to have like us one person working outside of the home mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. to have that many kids i think yeah for most people yeah yeah, unless every all the kids are in childcare for a lot of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I had a corporate job. I took on a corporate job when Nikolai was nine months old, so I was home for a period, long period of time. Uh, would teach yoga and do other things. Um, but when I had Ava, actually, just to backtrack, I was like a full time private uh, instruct yoga teacher in LA and massage therapist. And after I had her, I had no juju. I never gave a massage again. Hmm. Never did it again. 20 years later, still have. And that was my main career and my main financial um, way of living. And I just didn't have it to give because I was giving in this new way. Yeah. Yeah. I tell friends that get pregnant now, younger women that I know, I'm like, you can plan 
but have a loose attachment <laughs> to it because you don't know who this human is you're bringing into the world and you don't know what you're going to have in you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't plan that vacation. Don't like it. Don't maternity leave is tough. I, I do do, um, on Desk Yogi, we did an amazing series um, with a woman here in Ojai, um, uh, going back to work after you have a baby mm. is the series. And it goes one to six weeks, six, six weeks to I think six months and then six months and beyond. It's like the first year. And it's a really tough. We did a whole series of videos just about the struggles after that six weeks, six weeks at home with your baby, and then you're back at work. That's a big emotional piece to mm -hmm. leave. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I remember when I was pregnant, like at the very end of my pregnancy, I was living in Connecticut at the time and I've been an acupuncturist for 10 years. And I was talking to this other acupuncturist and I was going to do some work there at her place and I was like, oh, I will, I'll be back. Like as soon as I feel, you know, normal within like a couple of weeks or six weeks <laughs> at the most. And then, I mean, I still, I dropped my daughter off at preschool and I still feel like I'm going to cry every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you really don't know like who the person's going to be and who you're going to be either. Like, I really thought I'd be like, working mom like do I love my job I love the work that I do but it's like being a mom is I don't know I think it's different for everyone I think other people don't that's the thing that's the most important thing I was just gonna say it's different for everyone and if you need to go back to work because you need space that's right. also okay totally and it's like yeah. really holding space for women to mother in whatever way is right for them and for their family and their baby and their partner. Mm -hmm. And like, I have friends that the dad doesn't ever go back to work and they stay home. Mm -hmm. It's just, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like your birth plan could write it because it's a nice container, mm -hmm. but attachment to it can cause attachment to anything, but attachment to it being the way that you have in your head is is rough business totally yes yeah like i moved i july 4th is my ohi 20 year anniversary because i drove up here with my three-month-old for mm -hmm. the july 4th weekend to visit some uh family up here from la and i drove down the street i saw a for rent sign in a house i walked in filled out an application and a letter and i just rented it and then called my partner and said we're moving i mean it was not even a choice it was like this is it. And of course, he, you know, he wasn't in love with LA. So it wasn't completely, I knew when I was filling out the application that it wasn't completely off base. Yeah. Like, oh, is pretty awesome. He can't say no. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's only it's like for his, you know, it was, it was doable. Yeah. But, uh, I don't recommend it for everybody, but I was just, I could not raise my daughter in LA. Mm -hmm. I just, for me and, um, um, for, who we became when she was born. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a becoming. It's a new, it's a new life. Mm -hmm. Very Everything is different. Yeah. And um, and life with both 
my son and my daughter has been a beautiful ride. And um, my uh, Nikolai's father and I are uh, separated when Nikolai was four or five. And that's been also like a, a beautiful co-parenting journey, very different from my co-parenting journey with, um, with Ava. It's funny, and, and you'll probably relate to this, and most, I believe most mothers will. I went on a vacation by myself a few years ago, years ago, like maybe eight years ago. So Nikolai was probably eight and Ava was 11. And three days into the vacation, I was like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. What's wrong? I didn't have seven schedules in my head. Hmm. So it was peace was wrong. Yeah. Or at least was wrong. Anyways, as a side. Yeah, note, no, I mean, I, awesome. whenever I have, yeah, my, I guess my time away from my daughter is when she's at preschool mm-hmm. and it feels like eerily quiet. And I don't know, there's so many things I need to do, but I kind of sit there in like feeling paralyzed for a little while. Like, what do, what did I do before? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, well, I'm really I, grateful to be having this conversation. It's fun to remember the, because, you know, um, I'm two years away from being an empty nester. My daughter just moved to Portland. She got an apartment and she goes to college up there and she's building a life there, which is beautiful. And there was a deep sadness when she left a few weeks ago. It's like, oh, my baby girl. Yeah. And then my son is 16 and he's leaving on the 6th for the rest of the summer to explore music and go to Europe. And, um, you know, that's kind of like those times where you're like, oh, you know, I need a break. Believe me, you're going to get one. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to end up getting one and cherish that, you know, you've all, we've all heard that like the days are long and the years are short. It's like, it's such such a true statement. And as we age in this mothering experience, like, you know, our children leave and then embark on their, their adult lives. It's such a beautiful thing, but it's also such a, as much of a monumental shift as the day you have your baby Mm -hmm. as the day they, they, you know, have yeah, something else into the world I just yeah it's hard to even contemplate that mm-hmm. like, yeah and when and it, when you're in it when you're like the teenager or the early 20s or whatever you're so self-absorbed that you can't even acknowledge that your parents are people and you know, that they have emotions and stuff so maybe you know, my daughter's really good at that yeah my daughter seems to have a lot of compassion for that she's like oh mama bear you know (laughs) um you know and they they all they want to leave and they also want to leave a tether they want to tether in you know they want like that dock like I think of a sailboat coming in and dock they want to be able to you know sail in and and you know tie into the to the dock um when she was leaving you know there was a lot of stuff in her closet and I was like I'm going to use that closet. She's like, what? 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 Yeah. You know, you're moving and you're not probably going to be back till December. So I'm going to like put stuff in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So we're both. So it's a, it's a, that 
really it has that such like a bittersweet quality to it like so much excitement and I'm so excited for her and then there's still that like you know that longing for that time this time totally and you know um yeah (laughs) and I know like we've been talking and it's and typically I don't I don't know how old you are but typically at the time that they leave that's menopause Mm-hmm. is part of my big work that I do now mm-hmm. um, and that's a very emotional time mm-hmm. and it's a time of coming into sort of like your sort of the wisdom that you've accumulated sort of comes to fruition but it kind of has to burn <laughs> hot flashes it kind of has to burn your soul to to be fully realized this wisdom that we carry from our generations you know past to our our great grandmother, our grandmother, our mother, the lineage to the that time in menopause that really comes up, the yeah. birthing of your inner wisdom and guidance. That's what I hear. And I'm excited to to hear more about your personal experience and going through menopause. And I I mean, this is like anything with periods, birthing, mothering, it's really different for everyone from what I understand. Um, But did you have any like perimenopausal transition symptom type stuff? Or yeah, if you could just talk us through your experience. I was fortunate enough to really dial in a healthy diet at a young age. Mm -hmm. And yoga. I mean, I've been in practice on and off the mat for most of my adult life. And I really feel that being active and um, eating well is the foundation of, of health through menopause. And then the symptoms, you know, sleep isn't as easy, just like it is when you first have a baby. You know, mm-hmm. you maybe don't sleep so great, but you're not waking up because there's an infant. You're waking up because you're drenched in sweat mm-hmm. or you're just, you know, you're having body aches and pains or chills, night sweats, um, cramp, leg cramps. Um, your skin really shifts and changes. Um, you know, as silly as it sounds, like if you wear makeup, your makeup routine has to shift. Your skincare routine has to shift. The quality of your hair changes, like the you know, the gray comes in and, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. Your body changes just like it does in pregnancy, just mm-hmm. like it does in puberty. And um, it's a dialing down. Uh, you know, your body every month is preparing to make a baby for decades. Mm-hmm. And then it stops doing that. So it kind of has to turn off those, that system kind of turns off. Mm-hmm. And so your body's going to have that shutdown, you know, feeling. Mm-hmm. So I always tell the women that I talk to, it's like the foundation is your diet. Alcohol no. is so terrible in general, but mm-hmm. also during menopause. The red wine at night, the ladies Stop like it. to drink wine. Yeah, It is... Um, very detrimental. If you're having menopause symptoms and you're drinking wine every night, nothing's going to help you but stop drinking wine. Yeah. If you're about, smoking pot. Yeah. If you're what smoking about, pot. Uh, yeah. 
there's a woman that she's been on the podcast before Claudia and um, she focuses mostly on like the perimenopausal transition into menopause. Mm -hmm. And she like every post, she's always like prioritize protein, 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 protein. And a lot of the work that I do with fertility and conception and like having healthy cycles and healthy hormones prioritizes protein as well. And as someone that has been a long time yoga practitioner as well, I mean, vegetarianism was part of my life for Mm -hmm. probably 20 years. And I also had an eating disorder in there. So it's hard Mm -hmm. to like kind of suss out exactly if it was the vegetarian vegan situation Mm -hmm. or what exactly the main root was, but I've struggled to keep my hormones healthy while mm-hmm. also being a vegetarian. And you mentioned that during your pregnancy, she was asking you for chicken. So is that mm-hmm. part of one of the things that you recommend for in the menopausal phase that people are, or women are incorporating animal protein, or do you think that doesn't matter so much? Well, there's a few things. One, um, when you're nursing for a prolonged period of time, like I was, which was basically three years, pregnant, three years of nursing, pregnant, three years of nursing. Mm-hmm. That's eight years of a lot of toll on the body mm-hmm. toward the second phase of nursing. After Nikolai was born, my um, acupuncturist was like, you need to eat some meat. And so I started eating beef, mm-hmm. just beef, not anything else. And um, it really helped me. But now in this phase, you know, 16 years later, I don't really need it. Um, and I'll eat it very occasionally from the local butcher here in Ojai that the cows are raised up here in the, in the mountains here. Um, so I know that it's really clean mm-hmm. it's, and that the, the killing is kind if you can kill kindly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not in a factory. And so I think the, that vibration of the killing lives in the meat personally. It's just my feeling. And so where I can eat, eat it, I try and eat it as kind as possible, but I eat less of it than ever before. But protein is very important, but a Mm -hmm. lot of protein can cause bloating and constipation and gas. And you're just like farting all day and nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. So um, I developed exo Jackie protein powder with brown rice protein powder and not tons of protein. It just has 15 grams because if you're trying to do like 23, 26 grams of protein in a shake, your system is like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. this is too much. Um, oh, me, that's good to know. I, cause I, I don't know anything about protein powders. Um, but yeah, a lot of them you see like 20 or 30 grams, but yeah, yeah I guess it depends on what it is. It's about like my philosophy about orange juice. Like, why would you drink a glass of orange juice? Are you going to eat 20 oranges? Mm-hmm. It just, your system is all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's the same. I feel the same about drinking milk. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a milk, milk from a cow is made to turn a calf into a giant cow with like uh, tons of stomachs. Like that's not, you know, we're the only species that drinks a milk outside of our, our, you know, our species. <laughs> yeah. Our species. Yeah. And so, um, I wanted to have protein and I wanted to be gentle. Mm-hmm. And so I found that brown rice protein powder. So I recommend brown rice protein powder. And I recommend you stick to like under 18 grams per servings to see mm-hmm. how it goes. Maybe you're different. Everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You might you might thrive on 28 grams of protein. That mm-hmm. might be great. But getting protein is vitally important. Um, this is my hand chart that I always do. And I don't know if this will be visual for everybody. But from 
So we're growing, our brain is growing to about the age 25. You know this, 25. Mm -hmm. From 25 to 50, men and women are kind of on the same plane mm -hmm. of aging. Mm -hmm. And then at 50, women do a pretty severe downslope as far as muscle mass mm. and bone health. And men kind of stay on the same plane. Mm -hmm. And that's because of menopause. Muscle mass, muscle loss, that's why you need the protein and bone health. That's why you need to lift heavy weights. Mm -hmm. And then men around the same age, 70, drop off the ledge mm. of aging. I wonder why that is for them. That's interesting. Just aging. Yeah. You know, we, and, um, uh, and so women around the age of perimenopause, menopause, need to lift weights, get some kind of weight bearing. Even if your yoga is your primary practice, bring some weights in, mm -hmm. hand weights to that and protein. Hand yeah. weight, weight lifting and protein is really going to help with, I think, 75% of your menopause symptoms. Mm -hmm. Wow. So do you have like a protein amount recommendation like daily? Yeah, it's um, a gram of protein for every pound of, uh, so if you weigh 150 pounds, it's 75 grams of protein a day. Mm. Or more, 75 to 100 grams of protein yeah. a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if you do, you know, so yeah, you need to eat it in every meal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what was hard for me, I guess, uh, as a vegetarian was getting, cause there's so many things that they'll post, like this has this much, or this has, pro this is a vegetarian source of protein, but like the amount of protein is pretty minimal if you compare mm -hmm. it with like the same amount of meat that you would need to eat to get mm -hmm. like so anyway like as an acupuncturist I'm also mm -hmm. biased too because mm -hmm. that is a big part of our medicine is like I mean I would say majority of the women that I work with are chi and blood deficient and one mm -hmm. of the, like the thing to do for blood blood deficiency there's tons of herbal formulas mm -hmm. of course and acupuncture can be supportive, but I mean, everybody's like, you got to eat red meat, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's how you solve that one. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's just interesting to, because I've heard other, you know, it's like everybody has like, uh, their thing that like really helped them or whatever. And majority of the people that I follow and have studied with, it's like, you have to eat meat, you have to eat protein, like animal protein. Mm. And then there's other people that are like, you have to eat, you have it, like intermittent fasting is great for menopause. And other people are like, that's it's horrible not great for menopause. for menopause. What's that? Not great for menopause. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Cause I, it's, it's so confusing. And what I always go back to is like, what actually works? you know, like the, all of these things that people like post or write about, it's like theoretical until you try it on yourself. You try it on yep. people around you are trying it. You're seeing like, what is actually getting you to, so you have to first have clarity on like, what are you looking for? Like, how do you want to feel? Or like, you know, what do you want to experience in life? And then try things. And then does that get you there or not? Like, even if it should theoretically do something if it's not then that's not the right thing for you yeah I mean look I we're, we're almost out of time so I just like say this the best thing you can do for yourself is get to know who you are 
And that means being really curious, taking in the information and then testing it, test mm -hmm. it out, you know, get rid of the rigidity about it has to be this way. That's kind of been the theme of our talk today, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. Be open to what arrives. And so if you're, you know, feeling deficient, try it. Mm -hmm. Try and have a, go to the local butcher, get a piece of meat, bless it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. see how you feel after you eat it. It might be like, wow, oh my God, this is the best thing that I've ever done for myself. Or it may be like, oh my God, that was such a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But you don't know until you try. You so. don't know until you try it. And I think that through all of these phases, through puberty, through our menstrual cycles, through our births, through our birth stories, through the end of menses, through aging, which no one can avoid. It just happens. Mm -hmm. You just have to be open to being curious and seeking knowledge and knowing that you're never done. Mm -hmm. You're never done learning and learning about yourself. And we're just all in it here together, really. Totally. Well, I see, I can see my patient pulling in. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was such a beautiful way to end this episode. I, if you can just quickly share about where people can find you um, online mm. and where they can find your products too. And you mm. can maybe like list the product. Cause you talked about the protein powder. If you have other things mm. you wanted to highlight. I think the best way to find out about me is to go. If you do social media, I'm um, Jackie.Burge. B-U-R-G-E. And then I also have a website, JackieBurge.com, where everything is kind of listed, all my stuff that I do. Cool. And uh, you have to come to the yoga studio. I know, I will. It's like 10 minutes away. I've seen yeah. it, but I had no idea yeah. you were the owner. So I'll have yeah. to for sure. And I hope to meet you in person. And thank you everyone for listening. And if you have any questions, please uh, reach out to me on one of my, on Instagram and I'll respond. Awesome. Love it. Well, have a beautiful you. session. Thank so you. So nice to meet you, Holly. Bye. You too. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.